Welcome to the Unsophisticated Palate, a podcast about all things wine, beer, and spirits. Join us each week as we drink and delve into different alcohol-related topics. I'm Mark. And I'm Alan. Cheers. Prost. Or prost. Right right now. (laughs) Let's say this right. Prost? Prost. Okay. Prost. And that would be equivalent of cheers in Germany. Exactly. Basically to your health. To your health. Okay. I like that. Um, So we are here and this episode is releasing on September 12th. uh, And that's important because why are we talking about Oktoberfest, which is fun and exciting in September? (laughs) Because Oktoberfest, the celebrations typically, at least in Munich, they end in October. Yes. So the original point of the Oktoberfest was to celebrate the wedding of Ludwig and Theresia. And they got married on the 12th of October in 1810. And after those celebrations, they decided that it was so much fun that all of the businessmen that were involved in it said, this was great. Let's continue these end of the year, end of the harvest celebrations that we've had for millennia and make this into a really cool festival in this little part of outside of Munich. Yeah. And so it was like the wedding was like a several day kind of event and then they turned it into a festival, which originally wasn't about beer if i understand correctly right it was no there's like horse horse races races, exactly there's horse races there's festivals there's a party and then over time obviously they sold beer at that because there's always beer in bavaria so they had (laughs) beer at the festival and then it just became very popular and they continued to do it and then over time it morphed into a um a celebration of all things beer they had beer and that's important right Right. um but it's not just beer i guess there's wine and other things there and there's rides it's a carnival it's if you're in munich where it originated. Mm-hmm. It, it's like a whole entire yep. thing. It's right? a big festival. It's not just beers and, and ox and chickens and all these animals and pretzels and one liter, what we call steins, they call it krug of beer or a mass, a mass of beer, a mass being a measure, a one liter measure. Um, yeah, there's all kinds of rides. I typically don't go to the rides as much. Mm-hmm. I typically just hang out in either outside the beer tents. Um, it's really hard to get into the tents frequently. A lot of corporations will actually rent sections of the tents so oh, they wow. can take their, their staff to go hang out and party. And then if you get there early enough, you get inside the other tents and they can seat up to 10,000 people. So they're huge. They're massive tents. But if they're full, you get to sit outside. Usually the weather's nice because it's fall time in, in Central Europe, which is usually nice weather. And you can hang out with the locals. And a bunch of times I've been down there, they've, like I sat down just by myself. I was there one time. I sat down next to some Bavarians and they just started sharing their food with me, talking about their kids and their, you know, we just became instant friends and we were just normal beer garden people hanging out. It was super fun. That's awesome. That's mm-hmm. awesome. And those are, those are some huge size tents. And, and a, mm-hmm. so even planning in advance doesn't guarantee you a spot in any kind of a tent or anything else. So if I'm thinking, Hey, I want to go to Munich and Oktoberfest it. Mm-hmm not unless you, you find a, unless you find a way to do it there might be some tour guides that do that and they'll rent sections that they can bring their guests that might be possible okay but typically go early and stay late <laughs> i like that yeah. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that right go yeah. early stay late and, yeah. and get a drink beer the whole time yeah so um let's see so that well that's 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 oktoberfest and that's obviously what we're talking about today mm-hmm. and that's some good history and we'll delve mm-hmm. into some kind of more history and fun facts on it um, but before we do too much more of that, let's talk about you, Alan. You are the brewmaster and co-owner of Zeugel House Brewing Company. Mm-hmm. Let's start with uh, anytime we have somebody on, on the show for the first time, we like mm-hmm. talk a little bit about their history and or mm-hmm. relationship with alcohol. Mm-hmm. So uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I was basically a teetotaler through high school, through my first year of college, and didn't drink any alcohol. Okay. And um, 
I was looking to do pre-engineering at Linfield. I did um, switch into math and then was interested in German. I had a really great German professor my first year at Linfield. And one of them convinced me to go to the Vienna semester abroad. So my sophomore year, first semester, I went to Vienna. Lived nice. with the, we The first month we lived in a monastery oh, wow. right inside the walls of Vienna. And then we were all placed with the host family. So I stayed with the host family the next two and a half, three months. And my host brother, Max, uh, we both played basketball together. He's like 6'6", six, six. I'm 6'2", six, so I, I was the point guard. He was the power forward in that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, why don't you drink alcohol? I was like, well, I just never drank alcohol. My family's not big on drinking alcohol, so I just didn't drink alcohol. He's like, well, you got to drink alcohol. You got to try it. So <laughs> You got to. You got to. And so we went out, and, and actually the first beer I had was a Heineken. Mm. And... Appropriate for the location. Yeah, although it would have been nicer to have gotten a Vienna beer. But yes, we, we had a Heineken instead and then um, drank some tequila with him and his friends, and that was fun. And so I was like, okay, alcohol is okay. I can, I can deal with it. I don't get too hammered. I don't go crazy on it. I don't get all bonkers. So I uh, came back to the States and tried some of the early craft brews that we were making here. Yeah. Back then, that time, there was like five or six. Yes. Yeah, so this was like 19, I went to Austria in 1990. Okay. So I was back 91, 92. Um, we had, Widmer was barely open. Bridgeport was barely open. All these places were barely open. Full Sail, Portland Brewing, Saxer, all those places were up and, yeah. and starting. Um, so we started drinking those beers and then we couldn't find, that was not a huge variety if you think about it compared to today. So we started drinking beer, getting things from Burlingame Grocers. Yep. in southern south portland and they had a great selection at the time of imported beers so we just tried our way th- drank our way through the world and oh i like fell that. in love with a bunch of different things and i started we started home brewing so my um our ra said you know if you if you want to drink it you got to make it yourselves which was a really weird thing to say to a bunch of college students <laughs> right <laughs> so the three guys in the room one is a phd in electrical engineering the other is a degree in chemistry and he and I mine's in math and German now a brewmaster degree but at that point he so I used to homebrew with my cousin in Pendleton so I was like we know how to do this cool so we started homebrewing nice. and super got into it in we're, the dorm kind in of the dorm thing? yeah oh wow <laughs> yeah so we were all uh uh we were out there you know milling grains on the front porch the president's house was right next door to our house <laughs> so president bull would walk by and we'd all wave to her good morning and a bunch of people knew what we were up to and at one point all our friends could come in and bring carboys and ingredients we make the beer because you just love making beer uh-huh. so we had 13 batches brewing at once in a oh, dorm room awesome. so the, the guy brian who's on the bottom bunk was complaining about getting headaches all the time mm-hmm. and we figured out it was co2 poisoning oh no because there was so much co2 in the bottom bunk and the guy on the top bunk paul didn't have any headache complaints so co2 is heavier than air so it settles in the bottom of the room so oh, we cracked geez. the door opened the window a little bit and, and brian's headaches went away so that was, <laughs> so you're almost killing the poor we're guy. trying to kill our trying to kill our buddy brian which we didn't and he's all good so. um and out of that came some great and amazing things. I mean, yeah, yeah. we thought we were making uh, the nectar of the gods, right? Which we were for ourselves, right? But, you know. <laughs> Although I've had some amazing home brews, and we oh, did sure. an episode on home brewing, and, sure. and uh, that it gets addictive. And mm. I think a lot of people start there and end up kind of where you are. So, how did you get from there from to that step to where I am brewmaster? Today? Yeah, I was. Uh, I went to Germany for a year to finish my math and German majors, and then I went to Indiana University in Bloomington and got my got a master's in Germanic studies. They sent me to Berlin on a scholarship to work towards a PhD, and a friend of mine from Indiana sent me a magazine about learning how to brew in Germany. 
So that was based on the university down outside of Munich at, at, at uh, Freising, Weinstefan. So I contacted them and they said, you have to do an internship. So I lived in a part of Berlin, like 15 blocks on the same street down the street was a brew pub. So I went down to the brew pub and asked the brewmaster if I could do an internship with him. Mm. And he sent me away saying, yeah, come back in a couple of days. And I came back and asked him again. And he said, come back next week. And I came back the next week. He said, okay, come back after Christmas. So I came back after Christmas. He said, <laughs> okay, you're obviously serious about this. Come back tomorrow and you'll start your internship with me. Nice. So I did, and he and I are still fast friends, and that was 97 when I did that. So we've known each other 22 years now, yeah. which is kind of crazy to think about. But I was in there, walked in there that first day. He, he mashed in, he was around 6. He had me come in at 10. <laughs> so he was graining out, and I just, the smells of the brewery, the sounds of the brewery, the visuals of the brewery. It was just like, this is what I want to do the rest of my life. This is amazing. And that That's bug great. turned into a profession. So he talked me into not going to Munich because he's like, why don't you go to the university here in, in Berlin where I did? It's like, oh, I didn't know there was one. Mm-hmm. So I went to the VLB in Berlin. I got my brewmaster degree there. Then I worked a little bit in Bavaria in a brewery and then came back to the United States and worked at Full Sail for two and a half years and left them with my now wife. She got her bachelor's here in Portland. We went down to California for her to get her master's. Okay. And I ran, uh, started up and then ran uh, Spanish Peaks in King City, then moved up to San Jose and worked at Gordon Biersch, another yeah, fine German brewing establishment. And then we got married in 2003 in Germany, so we moved back to Germany, ran a brew pub in Berlin for a year and a half, and then we moved back to the United States. So yes, we've spent a lot of money moving. <laughs> yes. Back to the United States and worked at Widmer from 2007 to 2011, left them to open up Soigel House. Okay. So, I mean, and, and I didn't know quite all that background, but mm-hmm. when I was deciding who we were going to talk to about Oktoberfest, mm-hmm. uh, Zoigel House stood out. As, mm-hmm. and, and obviously, we've got the uh, credibility and background right. and credentials to be talking about sure. Oktoberfest mm-hmm. and, and just German beer in general. Yeah, it's kind of what we specialize in. Yes, I like that. So let's talk just a little bit about uh, Zoigel House then, and then we can start talking about um, kind of some local celebrations. And then what's most important, let's talk actually Oktoberfest beers. Um, but first, let's again talk about Zoigel House. Yeah, Zoigel House is an idea that um, three of us came up with, Nick, Sean, and I. Nick found the word Zoigel and asked me about it. And to be honest, I didn't know much about it at all, if anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's from the upper Palatinate, so the northern part of Bavaria, really close to the Czech border. It's a very small area that does this, but it's pretty cool once I started looking into it. Uh, there are five towns. They all have a communal brew house. The citizens of the town have the right to go to the brew house and make wort for the non-beer brewer. It's non-fermented beer, basically, the pre-fermented beer. Okay. Take the wort home. They ferment it in their homes, their cellars, their houses, wherever they want. And then they open up their homes as little pop-up bars on a rotating basis. That's in a little, they call it Zeugel Kalender. So there's a little calendar where you can say Schmitz are up for two days, then Johann's up for three days, and Brigitte is up for a couple of days, and they kind of go through this thing. And if you walk through town, you know whose house to go to because you have a little calendar you can take. That's where you go get the beer. That That's day. where you get that freshly made beer from the shared communal brew house. That's awesome. And if you don't know, you don't have the calendar in your pocket, which you should because you live <laughs> down there, uh, the the publicans, I'm putting air quotes around that, the publicans will swing out the star the brewer star, the medieval brewer star, which looks like the six-pointed star of David, but it's the medieval alchemist star as well. Okay. And that shows that that house is the one who are, who are currently serving beer. 
And the German word for to show, S, or the word sign, S-I-G-N, that is a Germanic word coming from Zeigen, Z-E-I-G-E-N. Zeigen is morphed into the diminutive Zeuge, like a little sign. Mm-hmm. The little sign is then what is showing that those people are up to bat. So that is an etymological explanation of where Zeugel comes from. But we really like the idea of community, opening your house to people, sharing a brew house, and making German-style beers. And so Zeugel House is the sign is out. This is the place to come get your your yep. beer. Yep. And we try to live the life of the true Zeugler. We do wort shares where home brewers can come. About every two months, they can come and pick up five gallons of wort. They buy the the wort. They get some uh, pack of yeast from Imperial Yeast. They come back uh, six weeks later. They get a free pint of beer with a commemorative glass. That's all $35. So it's not nothing we're trying to make money on, but it's a lot of fun for us to do that these folks can come in and really zoigle with us, take it home for a minute, come back and share it with us. Note to all those home brewers, yeah. <laughs> this is the place to be. Yeah, exactly. And we've also shared our brew house with a number of people. Um, Level, Ferment, Wayfinder, um, Backpedal, they've all made beer with us here just because at one point or another they needed more capacity, and we've made a couple batches for them. Awesome. That's amazing. That's great. Well, great. So that's exciting. That's why we're here to talk about Oktoberfest and to talk about it in September because it ends the first Sunday in October. So it bleeds on over, but that's it. So um, I also noticed and noted, and you may have a lot more insight into this, um, it also can be called a Volksfest. Volksfest. Okay, say that one more time. Volk. 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 Yes. Volksfest. Fest. Okay. Right. Uh, um, and that's just basically a beer festival, right, in general? It's a festival for the people. It's a people's fest. People's fest. Yeah, so Volk, like Volkswagen, is the people's car, people's oh. wagon. That's what Volkswagen, Volk is like Volk, F-O-L-K. It's kind of a similar idea. It's what this, Again, English is a Germanic language. Yes. So there's a lot of our, what we see in our day-to-day language that comes from German. Okay, that's yeah. that's awesome. That's some great insight. I love mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, fun facts, drop them as much as you want. Sure. We love them here. Um, and But the locals, they call it, Weizen? Wiesen. 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 A Wiese, eine Wiese is a meadow. So originally these, these horse races and this, this wedding festival was held in a meadow out on the outside outskirts of what was then Munich. So to go out to the meadow was to go out to the Oktoberfest party then. It's what it's become to be known. Okay. Yeah. And so, so if, again, if you're, if you're, if you show up and start asking for Oktoberfest, they know you're uh, know. not local. <laughs> Probably, yeah. If, <laughs> if we came act, acting like Americans saying, hey, where's the Oktoberfest? And they'll point and they'll, they'll know we're Americans. It's totally fine. Yeah, yeah. And they'll send us to the... Not as good a tents? No, actually. I'm just no, they'll they're, send they're us... They're probably amazing people, right? They are super friendly. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, Southern Germany is, is like the most open arms part of Germany. My wife's from the north, and the north is very much cooler and, and quieter, and it takes a lot longer to become friends with these folks. Mm-hmm. And then once you're friends, you're friends for life. Which Whereas awesome. in Bavaria, you're just your friends immediately, but you're not necessarily friends for life, but you just have a good time together. Yeah. So it's just different culture. Different culture, different, different north regions. and south. Mm-hmm. Okay, I love it. Okay, so um, if we are, uh, well, actually, no, let's, before we talk about the actual beers at Oktoberfest, let's talk about kind of there's local celebrations, because I know mm-hmm. you guys are having one here mm-hmm. on the 13th and 14th of September, Correct. 2019, in case you're yes. listening to this off into the future. Yep. Um, but I'm sure you can go to the website and get the current dates if you're in 2020 yep. and beyond. Yep. So let's talk a little bit about that and then kind of how someone might also find other local celebrations nearby sure. them. Yeah, so we're doing our Zeugelfest on Friday, starting at uh, 
Friday the 13th. Oh, that's good luck. Conspicuous date. So we'll be doing a keg tapping at 6 p.m. I'll be doing that tapping. So if it's the 13th on a Friday, we'll see if I miss and smash my hand open or something. Let's hope not. I hope not. (laughs) Uh, We'll be a little ceremony. We'll have live music. And then Saturday, it runs from 10 to 10. Uh, We'll have uh, some broad eating contests, puppet shows, kids' craft corners. So one thing, if listeners don't know, we are a very family-friendly restaurant as well. We have a kids' corner that kids can play in. And we are going to also shut off the street next door to us, put a bunch of music outside, so we'll be both inside and outside for the dates. And that's a big part, of I understand, of Oktoberfest itself is music, and it is kids-friendly. Again, it's a very family kind of event, so this is pretty traditional. It's for the folks. For the folks. Yeah, Yeah. it's for everybody. It's everybody. It's a people's party. Okay, I like that, and you guys are are keeping true to that then. Yes. And on the same weekend, we have... um, I have family and friends down in Mount Angel, and they are also having their celebration from the 12th to the 15th. So okay. that's a great spot to miss, not to miss, a great spot to hit in case you are going to be able to miss ours is what I was trying to say. There you and go. And vice versa. Yes. Ours is a great place to hit if you can't make theirs. All right. And so if you're not there, what's, I mean, would you just maybe Google local? How might you find a good local? So I'm in uh, other side of the country or elsewhere. Might yeah. Probably just Google your local Oktoberfest celebrations. Okay. Yeah. And try to find someplace a little bit more traditional if you can, such as this, but if sure. not, um, I mean, you're probably... It's always worth having a party. Yeah, right. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. So let's talk about the beers themselves. You've got some insight and information on this. And and so what is a, I guess, maybe a traditional Oktoberfest beer? So Munich is a special place. Munich was making... Southern Germany in general was making... We're making lager beers long before the folks in the north or through the, the rest of the world pretty much. Lager brewing pretty much pretty much started down in, in southern Germany and in Czech Republic as well. So Munich has very hard water. Munich also has a lot of carbonate in their water. So by having carbonates and bicarbonates in the water, what that means is that they have to use darker malts in order to get their beers to hit the right pHs for the mash and, and the kettle. There's a whole bunch of things. pH is very important in beer production. Darker malts are acidic. Bicarbonates are basically alkaline. So you put the two together at the right ratios, then you have a beer that hits the right 5.3 to 5.6 pH in the mash ton. Got it. So by trial and error, the folks in Munich started making darker malts because their beers turn out better. So the Munich beer is truly, the historically Munich beer is a dunkless. So it's a dark beer, so it's kind of in a light, medium brown color range. And that works perfectly with their water source. Interesting. Okay. That said... The original Oktoberfest beers were brown. They were brown lagers. Okay. Not what you see today flowing out of the taps, which are golden, pale lagers, typically in the, I've got some data here, what the alcohol contents are, usually 58 to 6.1% alcohol. So a little so bit the, stronger. The Fest beers are a little bit stronger, so you're drinking beer. The German, most German beers are 4.7 to 4.8, 4.9 for their standard beers. The Hellas, the Pilsners mm-hmm. are in that range. So they're a little stronger. If you're an American craft drinker and used to drinking 6% IPAs, you're not going to notice a difference. Yeah. If you're a German or you're somebody who drinks Coors Light all the time and you start <laughs> pounding down liters of 6% beer, you will notice a difference. Yes, pretty so quick. Just, just be careful with that. There's a, a nice word called Bierleichen. Elisha is uh, like a dead body. So like they call oh. the, 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 the people who are totally hammered and passed out, they call them beer leichen. Oh, okay. <laughs> so like like beer that. corpses, I guess, is the right word. Yes. So, and that can be a problem, I understand, at 
Octo- the yes. Munich October. Yeah, especially yeah. if they think I can drink three beers and they pound down three liters and then pass out. Yeah, and that's a, if it's you pound those three beers down quick and you start early, that's that's a very short day and not it a is good a short end day. to it. Yeah, and I saw many stumbling people, so, a lot of stumbling people, and it's mostly it's the foreigners, and it's not to rip on foreigners, but yeah. they're not used to drinking liters at a whack like the Bavarians are. So yep. people coming in from Italy, our wonderful friends from the United States and even <laughs> Britain, any, any of those people that are not used to drinking higher alcohol beers, they pound down two liters, they're going to get hammered. All right. So you just got to be careful with it. Pace yourself. Exactly. So the beers in the, in the old time were brown, and I was just kind of trying to figure out, because I was at, at the Hockupshore Festival tent one time, and they are the ones who still brew um, the most traditional of the beers. Okay. And that is called a Märzen. Märzen comes from the German word for basically describing March. So these beers were brewed in the time before refrigeration, historically, these older beer styles. So they couldn't brew them any time in the spring or summer because it was too hot and the beers would go sour, they go bad. Mm-hmm. They could start brewing again, basically, and they actually passed laws in this in like the 1500s, in the 1400s. You can only brew between September and March. Oh, okay. So September, they start brewing these beers. By March came around, they'd be using the last of their stock. They'd make higher alcohol beers that would then be able to be lagered and stored through the summertime and not go bad. Mm-hmm. And then in September, they start brewing again. So these last beers they'd have in September, October were the beers from March that they wanted to actually go through so they could have fresher lagers again. So it's a great time to burn through your quote-unquote old beer, which was still good beer. Yeah. But as they started brewing again, they needed to get rid of that old stuff and make space for the new beer to come through. And drink it up in the fall. Having it all drunk up in the fall was a great time. Nice. Okay. And now that... now. If I, if someone like me were to try and pronounce that, I've, I've seen it Marzen or, or Marzen, but that would be a complete. There should be two dots above the A, which okay. is an umlaut, and that's Merzen, like, like a nightmare. Okay, like a Merzen. Okay, yep. so good. So no, to, the beer is not a nightmare. The beer is awesome. Yes, but it's <laughs> and that and again, it, that kind of represents March, which is when they're typically brewing it. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. so now we know, or at least I know, and I'm sure several mm-hmm. of our listeners can pr- uh, pronounce it correctly. Mm-hmm. Okay, so and so that would be, so that's kind of your traditional, much more traditional um, Oktoberfest yes. style beer. And yes. so when someone says, "Hey, this is our like you guys are going to be releasing an Oktoberfest beer," mm-hmm. that's generally what it's going to be. Yes, ours will look more like the Hockupshore than the other breweries. So again, that darker, mm-hmm. more traditional, more orange brown, more orange brown. Yep. Okay, and that's just because you guys are I get, doing it in that more traditional way with a little bit darker. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what is the darker there? The, the, it's the malt. The malt. Okay. Correct. So a darker malt. Yeah. So we have we we get our water from the Bull Run Reservoir, which is predominantly just straight rainwater. It's just basically a big basin up there in the Cascades where all the rain settles in and it flows down to Portland. We have extremely low mineral amounts in our water, so we have to rebuild up the water supply to make it consistent with the places that we're making beer from. So from making a German Munich, a Munich Dunkles. I have to add the salts back to make it look like Munich water. If I'm doing a Vienna beer, I make it like Vienna water. If I'm doing our Northern German Pilsner, I make it like Yevers water. If I'm doing an IPA, I make it either like London or Burton-on-Trent. So we have the flexibility with our water supply to add salts back to make the water supply just like it would be in these other places. Okay, that's so awesome. So we do that with our beers here, especially with these Dunkles and the Fest beer, Zoglefest is a Märzen type. We rebuild that water supply and then we bring the malts in so we have the slightly alkaline water, and then we have the slightly acidic malts. pH is in the right range, and the beer comes out the way we want it. 
Oh, that's awesome. Okay, yeah. so that's and so that's taking some extra time and care then into the water source. I mean, mm-hmm. which, as I've understood, as I've learned more and more through doing this, mm-hmm. that that water is really what you're starting with can sure. be very key. Yeah, if you have bad tasting water, you're gonna have a bad tasting beer. Yeah, and if your water is if the chemistry in the water isn't quite correct, your beer is not gonna turn out the way you might expect it to turn out. You might just think, hey, I'll just throw this malt in, throw the yeast in, throw the hops in, everything's gonna be fine. And then it just, something seems a little off about the beer. It's typically simply just the salts. The water you're starting with, or salts. Okay, interesting. And yeah, and that makes sense. And again, that's why they were brewing what they were brewing there is because that's the water source they had. Exactly. And that's why when Pilsner Orkfell was baking beer in Pilsen, where they had a super soft water, still harder than Portland's, Mm -hmm. but super soft water, they had to use lighter colored malts because there wasn't the alkaline bicarbonates in the water. So by using light colored malts, they had the right mash pH. So suddenly there was this golden lager being brewed out of Pilsen, and it just took over the world. And everybody was then able to figure out how to get the salt out of their water in order to make their beers as light in color as Pilsen. More like that. Awesome. Mm -hmm. See? I love Mm -hmm. this stuff. So we've talked a lot about, or or anything else you want to talk about on Oktoberfest beers or styles of beers? No, I think we covered most of it. What we do here is we do our fest beer. Uh, once a year we put that in bottles kegs and we also do an October fresh which is a fresh hop version of that there's a local farm in Silverton Goshi Farms and they have a holler tower a German style varietal that they grow and that's the only non-German except for our water mm-hmm. non-German ingredient we use in any of our German style beers is fresh hops because we can't get fresh hops flown in from Bavaria and yeah. make beer from it <laughs> it's a little bit too expensive a little bit of a yeah a long fight there which actually brings me to the, another question I did want to ask about because this is something I very very recently like just a little bit ago talking to one of your staff here learned mm-hmm. about and that's the fresh hop beer mm-hmm. so um, because it's somewhat synonymous I think due to the timing with Oktoberfest can we mm-hmm. talk a little bit about a fresh hop beer and what that is sure fresh hop beers are we, we, what we basically do is we have a relationship with with the local farmers and being in the Oregon Washington area Yakima is the biggest growing center in the United States followed by the Willamette Valley and there's some folks in Idaho and then across the US a bunch of people are starting to grow hops as well but it's mostly the Pacific Northwest mm-hmm. we're here right by the Willamette Valley so within 40 minutes we can have hops that were just cut the binds are cut at the bottom and the top of these big trellises they drop in a truck they take the truck to the processing plant they hang these these binds are not vines but binds up they get pulled through they strip the cones off the cones get sorted out and they start heading towards the kiln so typically on a normal day they will actually dry these these hop cones down to i don't know maybe it's um i don't know eight to ten percent i can't remember the exact humidity level but they'll bring the moisture level down from 60 percent to like 10 percent then they become more quote unquote shelf stable in that situation, let them cool down, then they'll homogenize them, they'll put them in big bales. The bales that can either get used with fr- people who use fresh cones or use cones, they'll use the cones or they get pelletized and processed. We use pellets primarily. Mm-hmm. So that's the normal path. That's how you norm, that's when people are making, I mean anybody really from home to sure. a, a large scale brewery, mm-hmm. that's the kind of hops they're using. These Typically, kind yes. of dried, dried or pellets. Yes. Okay. So what we do is we intercept, the hops are coming from the separating section, they're getting driven up on a little conveyor belt, we intercept those before they hit the kiln. So we have hops that were picked, that were cut from the bind, maybe an hour before, if that, 
and just released from the from their connections to these mines. They're fresh. They're the freshest hops you can get unless you go out to the field and pluck them. But it's, it's only <laughs> yeah. we're talking minutes. They're super super fresh. We bring those up here. We we usually use ours in the whirlpool. So we will basically boil our wort and then we'll soak the fresh hops in this wort and extract as much of that aroma and flavor as we can. Then we'll cool that down and ferment it out. Some people also take that those hops at the very end of the fermentation schedule. So they've fermented their beer out, then they'll put those hops in a fermenter and they'll push the beer on top of it, let it sit for a couple days and then pull it back off again. Two ways of using it. It's a bad idea, just a tip for any home brewers out there or commercial brewers <laughs> who haven't figured this out yet, who haven't had a chance to use fresh hops. Most of us have completely gone away from using any fresh hops for bittering. Okay. We'll typically use conventional bittering hops if we want to put in 10 to 60 bittering units of bitterness into the beer with these dried hops because they are not very vegetal. Fresh hops are very vegetal. There's a lot of chlorophyll in them. There's a lot of sulfur notes. If you boil those and boil those, your beer will taste like cooked cabbage, basically, oh, wow. which is not great. Yeah. You know, 15 years ago, when people started really fiddling around a lot with fresh hop beers, they were trying to do 100% fresh hop. And the beers just were undrinkable. Mm -hmm. So by just accentuating the aromatic notes from the fresh hops, not the, trying to get the bitterness out of the fresh hops, the beers are substantially better and often wonderful. Okay. And so the different, you're using, I mean, fresh hops. So there's a, a, a small window, which I think is why it also kind of overlaps a little bit, right? It's yes. Only it's when an they're extremely harvesting. extremely small window. So our hops were available August 12th which meant that I cut my vacation. I was gone for a couple of days out of town, mm -hmm. uh, came back a day earlier so that we would be here because they were only harvested on one day. Oh, wow. So okay. we had a one day window to get those hops and get them in the beer. So it was a very long brew day. We did six batches of beer. I started at 3 a.m. Oh, wow. Got, took a break at two in the afternoon, took a nap, had dinner with my in-laws in town from Germany, had dinner with them, took a nap, got up, worked from 11 to 6 a.m. <laughs> and then the next brewer came in and wrapped stuff up. So it's uh, it's the hardest part of the year. I say that's it's a fresh long day or a long two days. Yeah, or, or fresh hop season's rough. Okay. But the beers are special, and I think on our label we say it's the labor of love for us because it is. We love the beers, but it's it's labor. Well, it's and it sounds like tough. that's something you've really got to love to put that kind of time and effort yeah. and energy into, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so now you kind of mentioned a little bit about what that does to the flavor of the beer, mm -hmm. but how. You know, I guess it does it give it a more, would you say, earthy, greener? I don't know. How would you describe the I difference? I would say greener, um, softer a lot of ways because you're just so, the pellets have not dried out at all. So the, the lupulin glands inside of the hops are still soft and waxy. So the aroma comes through them differently. There's just, it's really it's difficult to describe. If you were to taste two beers next to each other, you would say, oh, wow, I see there's a total difference here. You'd notice. But there's typically it's a softer edge to the to the flavor and the aroma, okay. a little more a little more vegetal, a little more green, but not like dried hay, but more like fresh cut grass. So it's a sweeter versus drier. Got it. Okay, and and if I understand right, those don't store as well either. So those tend to they're released. They you drink release, them. drink, and don't save those. Yeah. Those those chemical properties break down super quickly. They oxidize really quickly and they're gone. So if you get a fresh hot beer, especially a, a big IPA with tons of tons of hops in it, that is going to drop off a cliff quality wise. Okay, you so want to drink that in the first couple of days as close to packaging date as possible. Yeah. So we're del we're we're releasing this mid September here. So 
if you can find one mm-hmm. still, it sounds like at mm-hmm. that point, grab it, drink it quick, yep. um, and then maybe keep your eyes open for this time next year. Yep. Yep. So ours are being kegged and canned on this coming Monday, which is what, the 28th? 28th, yeah, 28th. August 28th. So they'll be in the market the 29th. Last year, all of our beer was sold out of our distributor out of Miletus in like 24 to 36 hours. Okay. That's how hot these beers are. This is fresh hop season. People want fresh hop beers, and we try and give them to them. Yeah, and so if you're local, you might still be able to get one somewhere, sure. maybe-ish. Yeah. Um, and if not, then maybe, again, look local where you are. There may still be some, mm-hmm. but uh, it looks like a very tight window, and I'm going to mm-hmm. have to... Uh, I, I'm glad I learned this now because I'm going to be watching, and I may be here once I see those released cool. and trying some of those because that cool. sounds great. Yeah. Okay. Um, a little bit more here, and then and then we'll just kind of wrap up. Uh, do you have? Uh, I've got some fun facts I want to kind of throw out. Uh, do you have anything you want to add prior, or I mean, it's okay if not? Um, no. Let's hear your facts. Okay. Well, just some. These are random, good old internet Google fun facts, mm-hmm. which uh, you know, take them for what they're worth. But apparently this year, um, Adidas released some vomit-proof sneakers. You mentioned people do tend to drink. Yeah. A yeah. little bit <laughs> much. Yeah. Uh, they say uh, Prost. 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 Yeah. Prost on the side. Uh, they sold out real quick, apparently. So interesting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's if you're into that. Yes. Adidas, in case you don't know, is a German brand. It. Oh, I did not realize yes. that. Um, and, and if I'm correct too, and and I've had. I don't know. It's, it's Adidas. Is it's that Adidas. Adidas. It's the okay. German pronunciation, yes. And Puma is also a German brand. Yeah, and there's, the, there's a whole story in the two brothers there. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there, that's some fun history. If you ever yeah. want to delve into shoe history or fun history, look into that because mm-hmm. it got kind of ugly for yeah. a little bit there. Um, but now they're, I think, in much better terms. Um, but yeah, so Adidas. So I've been saying it that way for a long time. And then a lot of people look at me like I'm crazy. But I'm mm-hmm. going to keep saying it that way because... And you can say Ikea too. What's that? Ikea. Ikea instead of Ikea. Oh, Ikea. Okay. Yeah. Ikea instead of Ikea. See, I'm learning, but now uh, people aren't going to know what I'm saying. I know. If I say Ikea, people look at me funny like you just did. Yeah. Like, exactly. what? I'm like, what is that? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, is that another way to say Adidas? Yeah. <laughs> no. It's the Southern German way of saying Adidas. Okay. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, okay. I did, and I think you mentioned this a little bit. Um, apparently, like, less than 20% of people who actually attend Oktoberfest are from outside Germany. So it is a very local, mm-hmm. very kind of a home festival that they take very, very seriously. Yeah. So my, my wife's, her dad's, so my father-in-law's, one of his best friends lives out in Munich and I think they go almost every other day. Some part of his family is there almost every day or every other day. It's just something you go down to, you go down there for a couple of hours, have some food, see some friends and just go back to whatever you're doing. Yeah, and it's a 16 to 18 day festival. So mm-hmm. they're like every other day for almost two weeks. Right. That's yeah. awesome. Um, that, that, what a great way to live. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's, that's nice. Amazing. Another fun fact, uh, apparently Einstein uh, was a electrician of sorts and helped set up a beer tent in 1896. I think I've heard that as well. Yeah, I've, I saw it several places, so I'm taking it for a fact okay. um, because the internet doesn't lie to us, right? Never has. Right? <laughs> um, and then just a last little fun thing, I thought that an experienced bartender there will fill a one liter stein in 1.5 seconds. That sounds correct as well. That's crazy. Now, Those I'm things are just flying. Thinking about the foam, though, or anything, or is it not? So Bavarians take that a little 
easier than we would. So if you're getting your one liter mass of beer, it's often going to be about 0.7 full. Okay. <laughs> and where we might send it back, say, I want, I paid 11 euros for this thing. I want it to be full. They'll look at you like, what's your problem? Mm-hmm. This is Oktoberfest. Just drink your beer and shut up. <laughs> yeah, sit down, shut up and drink your yeah. beer. And it's strong anyway, right? So, right. So you're yeah. drinking a liter's worth of regular beer, I guess. But yeah, <laughs> yeah they, uh, they sling beers like crazy. The yeah. numbers of beer they move through that is insane. And you, you said it's a Moss? Moss. Is that the M-A-S-S. Moss what is, that? is a liter. Is a liter. Okay. Yeah. What we would consider a Stein, they would call a Moss. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. And then, and then just also too, I guess, and I didn't write this down, but I did read it somewhere because you're just talking about how fast they're slinging it. Mm-hmm. The experienced um, uh, the, servers right. can have like 10 yeah, lugs in their hands at one time. Heavy. Yeah. They, most of the people you see doing that have braces on their wrists from doing it. I would imagine yeah. <laughs> that that's crazy. And I did see to, to the Adidas thing. One time I was there, I saw a group of guys and one guy threw up right back into his, his Stein and tried, oh, no. to, tried to hand it to the, to the bartender <laughs> woman. And she just about throttled him. And all his friends were laughing about how she was about to beat him up. Yeah, so, she should have. Yeah, it was pretty, it was gross and funny at the same time. That, that's a little faux pas there. Yeah, that's I, pretty bad. I think that gets back to pace yourself, right? Yeah, I think he was German, if I remember right, too. Oh, no. So it wasn't just some silly foreigner who couldn't hold his liquor. It was a, I think it was a Bavarian guy. Usually we're all the dead bodies, but what? Uh, beer corpses. Beer corpses. Yes. And, but they, what's their word? Bierleichen. Bierleichen. Yeah. Okay. I, and apologies. I, I struggle with pronouncing English so you throw me another language and it's even worse it's a knuckleball (laughs) there you go okay so um, before we leave I actually have just kind of recently been asking people uh, what are you drinking I mean it doesn't matter I mean I know we're talking about German beers here but you go home at the end of the day and maybe that's it maybe it's a scotch maybe it's a vodka I don't know whatever so what's what's your what's your drink as of late Uh, we have um, some so I don't just run Soga House I'm also the brewmaster for Ascendant in Old Town Portland and we have a brewery in in New Mexico as well but we typically will have a keg of IPA on at our house and then we have the bottles and cans available of Pilsner Mm -hmm. and our German IPA at the Hopfenbaum as well so we've got uh, we have some Pilsner at home we've been drinking the IPAs at home we've been drinking and then uh, my wife has been enjoying Negronis a lot so we've been doing some of those and trying I like single malt scotches as well and Highland or peated just it's interesting alcohol drinks food all kinds of stuff is interesting so yeah i like i like good scotch too yeah awesome okay great well um for a summary of what we talked about ideas for future topics if you have any questions or feedback uh ideas for topics uh we're at www.theunsophisticatedpalette.com uh please subscribe and tell your friends and until next time drink responsibly prost prost prost